Are we besties? You and me? Yeah. I, I think... I, okay, here's what I have to say. I think <laughs> that we're not besties yet. Where does it come from? Your sweet wisdom. You teach me that it should be easy. And it is. Maybe a hometown. Or your three-story townhouse. I could watch you watch those blue doors all day. I know we're both aching for something. I wish I weren't aching for you. You. I don't want to lose the easy tender way you love me. I don't really feel like loading all the sweet things up with something heavy. I'm blissfully falling. You just look so pretty You just look so pretty If something's hurting Museum person I swear I'll drown it out And if it's happy Like I know it will be Invite me Welcome to another CT versus Audio interview. This episode, I'm talking with Hero Magnus from New Haven. The song you heard in the intro is Museum Person, and that is a song from Hero's new EP, Make Me a Man. Uh, that EP we've had on constant rotation ever since it came out this spring. You may also know Hero from WIBC Yale Radio's Live from the Moon, where she ran basically their equivalent of the Tiny Desk concert performances. Um, We'll be talking about that, but we'll also be talking about her EP, Make Me a Man, along with so many other things, including the strange separation between the Yale and New Haven music scenes, music as a source of empathy and perspective-taking, and just how much of a hottie Socrates was in his prime. I'm super excited to share this conversation with you because it was just a total blast. So here we go. This is my interview with Hero Magnus. Thank you so much, Hero, for being here with us today. How's it going, Hero? So good. Thank you so much for having me, CT Versus. We talked about this interview. We're doing it at 10 a.m., and I talked about being... <laughs> uh, you're the morning person. I'm I'm new to being a morning person. I want to be one, but anyway, sure. thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually going to be one of the first things that I brought up was how does it feel to be the earliest guest <laughs> on, on the podcast? Wait, um, it's the earliest guest ever that's ever yeah. come on the CT Versus podcast. Wait, that's oh, yeah. so huge. I guess, yeah, it feels, it feels good. I'm kind of on my, like, two-week 
like staying at home, my little vacation before I go back to school and, yeah. and get into my like late night going to shows kind of grind wherein like yeah. I have to sleep in, but now I can wake up early. Nice. Right. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So this is the earliest, this is a uh, 10 AM, uh, which, uh, says a lot about, I feel like, you know, musicians have like this internal clock that is very much a nighttime type of thing. And I don't know how much of that is like, is that the artist's lifestyle? Or is that just because (laughs) like shows, like you said, typically are super Mm. late. So I don't know. I don't know. I know that like for a while when I was first writing music, like I thought it was so romantic to like start writing at 10 p.m. and like stay up until 3 a.m. like at the edge of my bed, like making a creative breakthrough. And I found out later that like those creative breakthroughs are never really as good as the ones that happen (laughs) in the daytime. (laughs) But maybe that's part of it too. Gotcha. Yeah. And also when it's four o'clock in the morning, almost anything sounds good to me at that point. You know, it's like, oh, this is a great idea. And then whenever I wake up, I'm just like, okay, maybe it wouldn't be a good idea if the blog also, like, I don't know, did whatever, you know. It's Um, like, it's like, it's like roulette. Like sometimes the thing that you make at 2 a.m. is really good, but you can never know until the next morning. And that's just like too much of a chance for me. Yeah, it's uh, Schrodinger's Ableton track, right? (laughs) Schrodinger's Ableton track. (laughs) You never know until you observe it. Um, all right, mm-hmm. so my first question for you is the same question that I give everybody on the top, which is, what is your favorite place in Connecticut? And it doesn't have to be music-related, although, of course, it could be if you want it to be. My favorite place in Connecticut? Oh, my goodness. Well, so I spent a month on a farm in Cornwall, Connecticut, this year, um, and there's this place called Coltsfoot Valley, and it's this little tiny valley where this man named Tommy, he's 31, he's a bachelor farmer, and he lives and works and takes care of these cows, and I think that that is, like, absolutely full stop my favorite place in Connecticut. And Tommy sounds like a character from, like, a... I don't know, like a Bronte novel, you know? Yes, right? <laughs> oh, my God. And he absolutely is. And he took such good care. We were there. I was there with a good friend on Workaway, um, and he took such good care of us. It was very sweet. So he's a wonderful, wonderful man. And he has a lot of relatives who work at a little pizza shop nearby. So anyway, everybody should go visit Cornwall. It's an interesting place. They have a farmer's market on Sundays. They have a little library with lots of conversations and book talks and whatever. Awesome. Go say hey. I will. And I will say, hey, Tommy. Hero sent me. How's it going? Uh, let me hey, get Tommy. some of that pizza. Um, <laughs> is is Cornwall style pizza different than New Haven style? Um, it is a little bit different. It's like an authentic. Well, I don't really know exactly sure, how sure. authentic Pepe's is. Um, I think it's probably like, probably that's the sell, right? Is that it's like authentic Italian. But um, all I know is that Tommy has spent many years in the mountains of Italy, and his family is all Italian, and so it is, like, a very, it's a family-run type of thing, um, and it's a little bit more, like, classic pizza. They're, like, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> it's nice. It's good. I, I want to kind of keep asking questions about Tommy, because <laughs> this mysterious <laughs> figure is so interesting. Um, Tommy, but- thank you for listening. If you're listening, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> uh, my, my follow-up question, my second question, is also a very easy, straightforward question. Um, if babies are considered innocent, then when do people cease to be innocent? Ooh, well, this is interesting. I, I like this this concept and framework of question more than the idea that, like, babies are born with original sin. I'm very anti-original sin. I think sure. it's, like, kind of the biggest lie and the most annoying lie that anyone has ever come up with. Sure. Um, so, okay, babies are innocent. When do they become innocent? I mean, when did they become, you know, corrupt or whatever? Yeah. I think after first five years of life, like everything, everything kind of like crystallizes after that, right? So like you, you go through a lot of experiences your first few years and they like hugely influence how you interact in the world afterwards. Um, 
and I don't know, you just get to see the world and you know, it's like, it's like cold, like quite like physically cold instead of like warm, like in the womb or something. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't really, I don't actually think the babies are born innocent either. I think that like, (laughs) I think humans are neutral. I, I think that like the earth is morally inert and like humans are, are pretty neutral and then we can like do things that are cool or not cool or whatever. Gotcha. I, I see what you mean. Um, Okay, because I was going to say, whenever you said five is around when things get to crystallize, does that mean that, yes. like, when my nephew's five, I'm just like, welcome to the real world, you jerk. You know, like, <laughs> everything you do, with, you know, like, now we're, like, you know, the score, we're keeping score now. Um, we're keeping score. Yeah, well, so in, in Jewish um, tradition, like, you become an adult at age 12 or 13, mm-hmm. which what that means is that you start taking responsibility for your own actions before the age of 13 um, if a kid does something wrong, it's the parent's fault. And after the age of 13, it's the kid's fault. And I actually think that's kind of interesting because there are a lot of people I know who like, I don't know, still blame their parents for like when they do shitty things. Sure. Um, and I don't know. I, I think I, I like to think I stopped doing that around age 13. So thank you so much Judaism for that. <laughs> yeah. And I guess uh, I'm not quite a, an adult yet then. <laughs> um, um, Confirmed CT versus is in fact 12 years old. Thank you. Yeah. And, or it's an more, more that I, uh, blame my mom for everything uh oh okay (laughs) totally Um, i love you mom i do too i just try not to uh my mom actually doesn't know that i do this she does not know that i do yeah so so i was gonna say if she's listening i love my mom to death but like yeah she she has no idea this exists uh so interesting is it hard do you keep the secret from most people in your life like from your best friends and stuff as well yeah yeah some some of my best friends have found out but um but otherwise i try to keep it you know completely Oh my gosh, this is so impressive to me because I could never do anything cool without everyone I know immediately hearing about it. This is why I'm on your podcast. <laughs> well, so, but I think for me at least, and and I don't want to make this about myself, so but like for me at least, like I, I feel to. I feel like if if my identity was attached to it, if my real name was attached to it, then I feel like that would change the product because then I would become self conscious yeah. about like, oh, mm. do I want people to know that this is what I'm into, or you know, you know, or like yeah. or whatever, and so like. By just mm-hmm. having it as, like, this kind of logo or brand or whatever you want to call it, it feels a little bit more like I can do whatever I'm interested in and not worry about, like, you know, what Greg thinks about. Yeah. Is Greg, like, the man? Like, is Greg your super ego? Who's Greg? Or is he a friend? Like, uh, a real friend? No, Greg was hypothetical, but I guess Gre- Gregory, uh, yeah, Gregory could be, like, my super ego. Like, he could be, like, yeah. you know, the person who's, like, you know, tells me that I should care about New Year's Eve and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you not care about New Year's Eve? I don't. I don't really care. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Totally. Because it's always disappointing. Like even if you kiss someone, it's it's disappointing on New Year's Eve. I think it's like you're supposed to celebrate the beginning of the new year, but it's it's like you're also mourning the loss of the old year. Yeah. No. I, I'm very with you on the New Year's Eve hate train. Yeah. Cool. Um. Uh. For, so another question. Uh, you. So you yeah. know, we're, we're just talking about like how humans are born morally neutral, which I'm into that as well. Um. Mm. Are we besties? You and me? Yeah. I, I think... I, okay, here's what I have to say. I think <laughs> that we're not besties yet. <laughs> I would like to be besties. And I was what I was going to say was like, well, how can we be besties if you're anonymous? Like, sure. actually anonymous? But I think I changed my mind on that. I, I think that there's a certain way in which you can know people even better when they're a little bit anonymous. So what I have to say is that perhaps just as I am an aspiring morning person, I would, I'm aspiring besties with CT Versus. That is so kind of you. That is like such a huge compliment. Um, to, to one Wait. Of the, the reason why I brought this up is because you just recently posted that on, on a post on Instagram and I thought that was funny. Oh, you're so right. I was going to say you're calling me out for commenting, hey, bestie, on your most recent yeah. Instagram post. 
Yeah, fair. Well, we're besties now. Yeah. Um, la- I swear to God, last thing that I will say about myself is you, you were just <laughs> mentioning about, like, if you're anonymous, like, cultivating friendships. And I will say that there's, mm-hmm. like, a group of people that I hold very dear uh, to me, like, but they only know me as CT Versus. And so, like, when I see them at a show, Ooh. I'm like, oh, I want to go say hey to this person. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so... Oh, wait, that's so tough. It's like being Spider-Man. And, like, you can't go talk to Iron Man or whatever when you're, like, in, I don't know. Yeah, whenever I try to, I'm glad you get that because whenever I try to convince people that running a blog is just as important as saving New York City, most people think that I'm, like, (laughs) over-exaggerating, but... Um. But you're you're actually not. I think the amount that you do, I'm not. I promise I'll I'll spend less time on this podcast hyping you up. But like the amount that you do to like care for Connecticut artists is just really awesome. I've been introduced to so many wonderful people. Wait, I have one more question about okay. your secret identity, which is: Do you have you ever like made friends with someone at CT versus, and then also met them and become friends with them in person, but they don't know that like. You know, has someone ever been friends with both parts of your identity? Yes, and uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but there's at least two people. Um, But one person is like, (laughs) uh, he, so I know that he knows, and he knows that I know, but we don't talk about it. You know, it's like... Okay, do you like it that way? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Cool. Yeah, but because at least to me, it feels like, oh, like, whenever I'm talking with this guy at a gig, it's because, like, he likes me and not because he likes CT Versus. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's so sweet. Have you ever, do you show up to gigs as CT Versus? Uh, I, I haven't before. I thought about okay. doing that, um, but I thought it would be too distracting, like, if I, like, yeah. wore, like, this mask and all that. <laughs> or, sorry, <laughs> sorry, if, if you're not watching this, uh, Hero is actually talking to a, a, a physical dog, a four-leg, you know. <laughs> that's all i have to say (laughs) um so one of the one of uh, just to jump straight into lyrics and i'm not gonna like repeat (gasps) lyrics back to people because it's always really awkward to hear your own lyrics you know read back you totally can um but good because i was just i was gonna do it just this once um you mentioned in a song off your recent ep uh please for once can we not talk about me and so what does that phrase mean to you Oh my God. I'm so touched that you listened to my EP enough to like pick out a lyric like that. I'm, it really just brings me so much joy. I've always said that like actually quite literally the, the thing I'm looking forward to most for if or when I have a large number of people um, listening to my music is people like arguing about what my lyrics mean. I always love doing that about other artists that I like. So, but anyway, that, that one's, oh my God, thank you. Um, Please for once, can we not talk about me is kind of this like, I don't know. I, I'm a musician. I write music and this is obvious. And so what this means is that like, I clearly think that what I have to say is really interesting. Like I clearly think that like everything, every, the way that I walk through the world and the lenses through which I see the world and everything are like very, very interesting because like I'm vain enough to think that like other people are going to want to hear about like my perspective on the world via my music. Right. And like, the thing is, is that this absolutely does translate to my everyday life. And I don't think that I talk per se too much about myself but it's really just I'll end up in conversations with my friends and I'll be like you know you're interested in talking about me I'm talking about myself again and I think that like I don't mind doing that when it's on purpose but often I find myself like talking about a situation that I went through or like talking about myself or even really just like discoursing and feeling like I talked about myself too much um and like what this song is about is it's it's like a it's a prayer to like someone it's a prayer that, so it's, it's, it's from the perspective of Iphis. She's talking to the girl that she loves and like 
supposedly it's about how much she loves this other person, right? It's about how much she cares about them and like what she wants to do and like, and, and why it's bringing her so much anguish. But really what she ends up talking about is herself and like her own personal um, problems and anguish and everything. And I felt like I often do that, like in, even in expressing like the love I feel for someone else, I end up talking about myself and like the way that they fit into my life. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it just, that was a very heartfelt line because I feel it often. It's like, it's like in this bridge of the song after I'm trying to express how much I love you, like, please, for once, can we not talk about me? Like, I wish I could be a source of something sweet instead of like something else for you to worry about. Um, so that's what that means. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just making sure it wasn't like a cautionary line about like, if you ever get interviewed, uh, you don't want to talk about yourself. <laughs> <Fair>. um, but, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> see, this is the thing is I like talking about myself so much that I, I did another podcast yesterday. Like I'm like on the pot, but you know, you're my, you're, <laughs> I, I was very much looking forward to this one. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it sounds like part of it is you feeling that way is a little bit self-conscious. Is that fair to say? Yeah. It's self-conscious okay. very much. Okay. Um, but I don't know, if, you, if you're talking about what someone means to you, is that still mm. talking about yourself? Because I feel like a lot of your EP is about expressing to someone how much they mean to you. Yeah, absolutely. But is that yeah, that's talking so about yourself? I don't know. I mean, I think that like there's a certain way in which... One time I had someone tell me how frustrated they felt. They had like a boyfriend or something who always said like, I, I love the way that you make me feel about myself. And, and like that being a kind of non-compliment like it's not it's not the same as saying like here's a specific quality that I love about right, you it's right. talking about you know I like something for how they make me feel but I actually do think that like I don't know I don't think it's quite talking about yourself to talk about how much someone means to you especially because like like friendship is about and, and like love of all kinds is like about mutuality and like the ways that you interact with each other and like someone can't just I don't know it's, it's like parasocial if someone's like only good to you because of who they are personally and not like how they interact with you. So I don't think it's really talking about yourself. Yeah. Okay. I, okay, I agree with that. I think that like, if you're talking about how someone or what, or, or how someone means to you, that's mm. not like a, it's not, it's not talking about yourself. It's not, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I agree. Um, Thanks. <laughs> because for sharing your <laughs> if, if somebody, cause I'm now I'm, I'm reflecting on that anecdote about like mm. this boyfriend or something who said, you know, uh, I love the way you make me feel, mm. but actually, should I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrestle with that idea in real time and I don't know if I should like cut this out, but I'm thinking like, for example, if I, I don't know, listen to a song that is, mm. makes me feel great. That's a compliment to the song, right? Like that's, right. yeah, that's like a, a positive mark about how the quality of that song yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, I think that, like, there are all sorts of things. I, I always felt like that was a little bit of a funny thing to feel upset about. Like, I, there are all sorts of things that someone could like about me or that I could like about someone else. Like, someone can, you know, say, I, I admire your work ethic, or I, or I don't admire your work ethic or whatever. But, like, I was talking to my good friend Lil, the one who I worked on the farm with. She's really wonderful. And we are talking about how, like, she came to visit me when I was in Los Angeles just for a weekend. And in LA, I was, I was like, I was not lonely exactly, but I was thrown in the middle of, I didn't know anybody in Los Angeles, um, except for like my producer. And I had some family who I saw occasionally. Um, but it was really, really, really isolating to like be in the middle of the biggest city in the world and not know anybody. I would go clubbing by myself, which, you know, 
cool of me, obviously. <laughs> but Lil came to visit and we were together for a weekend and I was like, it feels like so comfortable and safe and like home. And that's not something that is like exactly about her. But I still think it's not about me either. It's like about the interaction of our relationship right. and like how it makes us both feel. That does not feel like a self-centered thing. In fact, it feels the opposite of self-centered. It, yeah, I was going to say, because there is no self on either side of it, right? If it's like a mutual thing, then yeah. it's not about you or the other person. It's about that thing. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I actually <laughs> love that. <laughs> um, so uh, you mentioned uh, bouncing over to L.A. Um, and you'll be back in Connecticut soon because you're not originally from Connecticut. And that is scandalous on this podcast. Um, <gasps> I know. <laughs> although you're not, you're not the first person to ever not be from Connecticut on this podcast. I think uh, Noah Silvestri, who goes under the name Luke Ellingson, um, yes. I think he's original. He might be from Pennsylvania. I know he's he was in Philly for a really long time. Um, mm. So we're like going mid-Atlantic to Connecticut. That's exciting. I, I right. feel like I'm also part of that tradition. <laughs> and so you're actually, so where are you originally from? I'm from right outside of Washington, D.C. Um, and I, I love it here. D.C. has a great punk music tradition. So yeah. I kind of got used to being part of a smaller music community. Um, and then this is why it was so wonderful to go to Connecticut, because there's so many interesting bands in Connecticut and everybody kind of knows you. Like, not everybody knows each other, but a lot of the people know each other um, and care about each other. And that's, that's a, I think, to be distinguished from a big city like Los Angeles or New York, where it's, everything is very overwhelming. There, there are, like, little music communities, but there's not... I don't know. There's not one one Los Angeles music blog to bring us all together. You know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so. Um, so you said out, right outside D.C. Is that like... Yes. I'm trying to think. So in that area, would that be Alexandria or Falls Church or Oh, Fairfax? spot on CT versus. I'm from Alexandria. Yeah, okay, nice. Okay. I, have a, nice. I have one of my best friends from Falls Church. And so... Really? Um, okay. Yeah. But, she, but she tells everybody I'm from D.C. because it's too complicated to say, you know. <laughs> it's wonderful because when I run into people who say they're from DC, like when I'm in other cities, I get to say, Oh, where are you really from? Because they're not from DC. They're always from right outside of DC. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so what brings you to Connecticut in that, in that case then? Cause it's not just the music. It's not just the music. So, um, I go to Yale and so I, I've spent several, it was interesting cause I, I got there, um, I learned about New Haven a little bit. I took my little brother to Pepe's. It was an absolute blast. <laughs> I was sold on the city. And Yale has a really, as you know, like a really, really messed up relationship with the city of New Haven. Absolutely. I think it's very exploitative. Um, and so it's been interesting to kind of get involved in like various spaces that are like interested in the community of New Haven, like not just interested in the Yale right. community. Um, but both of those have really sustained me. And I feel very lucky for the people that I've met who go to Yale and also for the people that I've met in the city of New Haven. I like, I'm very involved in, in Yale radio and like, that's actually not affiliated with Yale, which sounds, it's very funny. It's like technically affiliated, but we don't get any money from the university. And like, they kicked us out for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but it's interesting because it's like a lot of the shows that um, we throw at 216 and like the other, the other like involvements, like we have community members who are part of our radio station, um, which is just, it, it's been an interesting space. And then I've also spent, I was in New Haven just living there last summer. And that was really awesome to kind of get to see it outside of the Yale context. Gotcha. Um, so does that mean that the rest of your family is like, they're not in Connecticut? They're not in Connecticut. All my family's in D.C. So so my, my parents are all in D.C. And then all of my extended family's in California. And how do you feel about that? Um, It's funny. I I had a lovely time getting to spend time with my family on the other coast um, because we don't really do that very often. And I think I was realizing how much, like, it's a funny thing to move. My mom moved for her job and my dad too. And so it's a funny thing to move across the coast from all of your family. And I feel like I don't know. I, I like Los Angeles and I, and I'm torn on whether I want to stay on the East coast, but I think there's something, um, I don't know. 
something super, super lovely about, like, the little, like, the little friends I've made, like, all up and down the, like, East Coast, like, being able to go to Boston and, like, go to house shows in Alston and then come to, like, come to Connecticut. I know. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm just Ridiculous. (laughs) And then come to Connecticut and have friends there. I don't know. I feel very, very lucky um, that I get the opportunity for college to, like, be somewhere that is not my hometown. And I'm really trying to take advantage of, like, learning about Connecticut as well as um, just being in school. Cause you get to like live in a different place for four years. Like even if it's a, and I guess for me for f- like five years, basically, because I'm taking gap year and maybe six, because maybe I'll stay after graduation. Maybe, maybe I'll move here. Like I really, really don't know sure. where it's going to turn out, but I think that Connecticut is going to be part of my life for a long time. So, and also in LA, there's no Tommy, right? With, with the cows. There's no, oh my God, there's no Tommy <laughs> in Los Angeles. It's ridiculous. The real loss, but Los Angeles doesn't deserve him. So <laughs> So uh, you you've, you were playing music before you came to Connecticut. You mentioned kind of like, um, I think you, you used to open for punk bands and stuff like that. Um, yes, I did. Absolutely. So, um, is Do you come from a musical family? Uh-uh. There's nobody really who plays music in my family, but my dad is a poet. Um, and so I, I come from an artistic family. And my mom is an epidemiologist, so she studies like HIV AIDS. Um, and the last 18 months, she's been working on like the vaccine. So like the COVID vaccine, right. um, which has been awesome. So my parents are my parents are very cool and they always encourage my artistic dreams, which I feel really, really awesome about. I have this like great uncle or some, some relative um, named Ted, who's like a professional saxophonist in Boston. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I would go there to visit, also, I'm sorry to talk so much about Boston because I know no. that. No, no, no. There's a there's a tense relationship. As a Connecticut (laughs) resident, I'm so used to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so that was cool. So like I have I have music in my extended family, but not um, not a lot of it. So music was was something new. So was that like? Did you want to? Was that a self conscious way to like differentiate Mm -hmm. yourself then? That's interesting. Well, so when I was little, I wanted to be the first girl on Mars. Um, So I've been I've been very like loudly dreaming for a very long time. and I think that what I realized was that I didn't, I didn't really like the science of that or even necessarily the mission. I just, I liked like talking to people and meeting people. And like, I got to meet Neil deGrasse Tyson and like the guy and, and then, um, like Richard, someone who was like trying to be the first person on Mars. And I, I don't know. I just, I liked meeting people who were doing cool things that like I believed in for the world. And I just ended up realizing later that like, I, you know, I'm not well suited to go to Mars, but like <laughs> I am well suited to like make shitty indie rock music. Right. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> And like that was, um, it was just something that I, I, I'd been looking for a creative outlet for a long time. And I got serious about music when I was like, I, I went to Berkeley for a summer when I was like 15. Um, and then after that, I started getting pretty serious about music. I was like, I love this. I care about it. And I'd always liked singing, but I don't, but like songwriting became really, really important to me. And that's still like very much the center of my musical life. Gotcha. And so you said that your dad is a poet. Do you feel is there any pressure, like, whenever you're writing lyrics that he's going to listen to them and, like, put his poet's ear on it? Ooh. I mean, I've always... I've, I've never written poetry. Like, I used to write, like, stupid little haikus and, like, limericks. Like, I would write funny poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I actually feel like if I were writing written poetry, I would feel a great deal of pressure for it to be very good. But luckily, I think that the process of poetry writing and songwriting, at least for me, is very different. Like, it interacts with the melody and, like... Like, I don't know, there could be some, there could be a line that's like not that great when you write it down, but is really excellent in the context of the song. Sure. There could be like kind of a vice versa situation. Um, so I don't really feel a lot of pressure. And my dad is very supportive, which is super kind. Okay. Because I was thinking like, my my dad does a lot of carpentry work. And I was thinking like, Ooh. if I had to make a birdhouse, I would be like 
please do not look at this dad, you know, like, don't look at the birdhouse. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, be, because yeah. Yeah. Because I know like that's, that's something that he's been doing. So, um, I do have this like continual, like, um, argument with both my parents, but mostly my dad, because like I have all of these songs that I've written because I've been writing since I was 16 or 15. Sure. And like, my dad is convinced that like I should put out every song I've ever written. Like he's he'll he'll bring up things I wrote like five years ago that I used to, or, like not five but, like four years ago that I used to play at shows, and he'll be like, "What happened to that song? Are you recording that?" And I'm like, "No, like I wrote that <laughs> years ago. I don't even like it anymore." And he'll be like, "No, you have to you have to put it out." <laughs> that's that's really nice because you know yeah because he cares and he wants to hear it. And I agree with your dad. Exactly. I think you should uh, release those uncut gems. Uh, uncut gems. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, you know, we've been talking a little bit about Yale, too. And mm. so I, I don't want to put all this onus on you. Go once, for it. But you are the first person who's actively at Yale who's been on the podcast. I mentioned Noah, okay. who, you know, he, he went to Yale, went mm. back to Philly, and then, like, moved to New Haven full-time after a little bit. Love that. Um, but um, I – and so I feel like there's a – divide between like the Yale music scene quote-unquote and the rest yeah. of the Connecticut music scene quote-unquote mm-hmm. and I don't think that it's like a Yale exclusive thing because we see the exact same thing at UConn like interesting yeah. there are bands that are quote-unquote UConn bands and they don't mm-hmm. play outside of you know that that you know those specific areas um, yeah is that a good thing or is that something that we should aim to dissolve Oh, that's so interesting. Well, I, I think that it's fundamentally a bad thing. <laughs> and part of the reason is is actually because I think that, like, Yale students are hugely missing out. Like, that, and I don't know, especially when I first came to Yale, like, there's a lot of, cla- there's a lot of really amazing classical music at Yale. And there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of acapella and, like, the orchestra is fantastic. But the independent music scene is super, um, like, super fragmented. And, like, that was why I was so attracted to Yale Radio is because I think that, like, I think there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Like, I don't know, the people who are hosting radio shows and I have this like live um, radio show called The Moon that I like try to bring bands on to. And that type of stuff is really cool. And it kind of like brings together the music scene. But I mostly, I don't know, I feel like it's it's tough to like not be connected to like the larger Connecticut music scene, not to get to go to like the house shows or like even, even like venture at all out of like literally the dorms. And I think that I'm excited to, um, I was starting to do a lot more of that last year and I'm excited to, um, I don't know. I have a lot of, I have a lot of schemes I'm cooking up actually to like, (laughs) to try to dissolve this a little bit, mostly for my own benefit (laughs) so that I can hang out with more Connecticut (laughs) bands. But well, so it's interesting that you phrase it like that the Yale folks are missing out on the rest of the Connecticut folks because like I, I still see it as like a both sides type thing. So for example, yeah. Um, whenever I think of Yale bands, I think of not, not just about you, but like about Sargasso and, uh, mm-hmm. and window seat. And those are two yeah. bands that I really love. But if I were to ask, like, if I were to go to like a quote unquote townie show, uh, in mm. New Haven and I said, Hey, do you hear the new window seat song? They wouldn't know what I was referring to. And that's so interesting. It's yeah. so weird because it's just like, I don't know. Like it. Yeah. I, and I, and I, yeah, think I love Sargasso so much. Like I, I opened for them like at a show at coffee, at coffee right? But yeah. Oh my God. Right before, um, everything went to shit. And it was right. just like magical to watch everyone come in and sing along to like every single word of cherry blossoms. <laughs> or yeah. no, it was, it was, um, street lights, I think. But, okay. but yeah, really good. I'm, I'm more of a separate compartments person, but I like that. Yes, of course. <laughs> oh, you have mwah, taste. Um, the, um, but, but it's funny that you bring up that coffee show because again, I don't know if I've ever seen like a quote unquote townie 
act yeah. at coffee. It's it's usually Yale folks. Um, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it's just because like that's that's who we know. You know, it's like those are our friends, right. and we want to support our friends, and we don't think about the people who are not our friends that are playing shows yeah. on both sides of the the divide. I also I think what's interesting to me is that like this feels I have a lot like I just have a lot of friends in in Berkeley in Boston or like I guess a lot of them have graduated now, but like. Um, there seems to be a distinction from the way that, like, the Yale music scene works and the way other, like, other colleges and their music scenes work. I I guess I'm just, like, it's curious to me that, like, more Yale bands are not interested in, like, like, becoming, like, a local fixture. Like, you know, like, playing more local shows and stuff like that and, like, getting to know the scene. Um, yeah, but I don't don't necessarily, I don't know, I guess I wouldn't say that it's, like, a bad thing or anyone's fault exactly. Like, I just think that it's, yeah, there are these really strict divides and it's kind of, it's kind of weird to see like certain bands in different spaces, but I don't yeah. know. I think that, I think it would be cool to have more overlap. Yeah. Um, you, so you've mentioned Boston. Did you record again and again in Boston? No, I did okay. not. I recorded again and again. I recorded it in my dorm studio. There's this like the, the every residential college, like maybe like three or four of them have studios. I'm not sure exactly how many, but I recorded mine in my little studio with my friend, Sam. And then I sent it to my producer, Ari and we like work together. I don't know. That sounds like said that it was really not how it works. Like we're friends and like, I like, and, and also we work together collaboratively. Yeah. And at that point in 2019, we were like, not, we didn't have an established enough relationship, I think per se for them to be like my producer. But, um, I don't know. I, I would know what I wanted to do and I wanted it to be loud and have electric guitars and like that, <laughs> those I'd already added. And I worked with my friend Jason and like that was, so like everything was pretty much together. And then, um, I just kept working on it across, across coasts. Gotcha. Um, Wait, for again and again or for... For again and again. Okay. Same with actually very... Ah, wait, no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Again and again, back back then, Ari was living in Boston. So, actually, yeah, I, I did... Um, I recorded it here in Connecticut. <laughs> so, I recorded, it, I recorded it in Connecticut. So, again and again, Connecticut original. Um, yeah, yeah. And then... Yeah, but then I worked with Ari in Boston. So, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> so, okay, so shout out to Ari. Um, I think it's totally fine if you, if you keep Ari at, like, producer status. If it's That sounds, like, so... Ari, you're my producer. Yeah. Also, also, it's just it's just thinking about the timeline, you know, where, like, yeah. it was, like, one of the first times we'd worked together in 2019. But now, like, I was just in Los Angeles making music with Ari for the whole summer. Like, Ari is 100%, 110%, like, huge creative collaborator of mine. I just, you know, didn't want to... Didn't want to overstep circa 2019. Yeah. So what, what is it about that relationship that is that is productive or that speaks to you between you and Ari? Yeah. Or sorry, your I think producer. That, yeah, no. <laughs> I think what's so lovely um, is that it's evolved so much. Like at first it was really, I would make my songs, I would record them. And then, um, you know, Ari would do some mixing, but it wasn't like, it like, and that was awesome and, and is a huge creative thing. But like, um, there wasn't at all like, like collaborative writing process and but then it slowly started to be like on this past ep so like ari produced make me a man and then like i would send them stuff and then um they would be like let me add a little let me add a little bass part like let me add this guitar let me crunch the guitar a little bit and i'd be like yeah and it just kind of turned out that i think since we've been making music together for so long like we're, our heads are always in the same place. Like we really kind of are almost always on the same page about like what moves to make next to make it sound bigger. And then I went to Los Angeles and I, it, I just all kind of exploded. Like I, 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 I mean, I had a great time making the EP and that was like so magical. And I think we both thought that I was like a song 
that I've never been so proud of a song as I am of IFES, and I think Ari felt the same way. And that was super special for our collaborative relationship. Um, yeah, and then in LA, we like even started writing together a little bit and like adding more. Ari's super wonderful at synths and like electronic music, and so that was really cool too. So you mentioned IFES. Whenever some of the correspondence that we've had over email, um, whenever you were letting me know that you released an EP, which I appreciate, but I already mm-hmm. knew. I already knew. Uh, you already knew? <laughs> um, Did you actually? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, but uh, <laughs> you mentioned that IFAS was your favorite, and that's maybe where I should start, like if I were to listen to a song. Forget what's stressing you out. I wish I could be a source of something sweet and not to worry about. And I love you, and I despair of being able to do that. And I wish I didn't have to choose between this body and Why, why is that song specifically your favorite? Because I feel like it's musically a little bit different than some of the other songs on that EP. Yeah, I think it's partly my favorite because of... Um, well, so the fan favorite is Museum Person. And I love it's Museum Person. One. I it's think a it's a one. great song. Yeah. I think it's a good one. It's a little bit ballady, And I think that IFAS is partly my favorite because of the direction that it took musically. Like, because of... Um, I don't know how big it gets, which I, I like a lot. It's still slower and more acoustic... Um, than some of the stuff that I'm going to be putting out in the next six months or so. But it's like, it just like bursts so beautifully. I, I think that the main thing about IFAS is that like, I loved that song when I wrote it and I've never experienced a song feeling so much, like so much more than even I could have imagined in my head. Like I think that the process of writing to recording and producing, like just, it's just per- like, it just feels, you know, it's not the perfect song, but it's like the perfect version of the song, if that makes sense. Like IFAS could not have turned out better, you know, for what it was. And I'm really proud of that. And I also think, um, I don't know if Ari would like me saying this, but I said it was like the first song that they don't skip. Like, like Ari's like, I skip every, every time a song of mine comes on or a song that I've worked <laughs> on, um, I skip it except for IFAS. I don't always skip IFAS. And I was like, Ooh, chef's kiss. Like yeah. we did it. This is the thing. <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny um, that I feel like a lot of musicians don't like listening back to their own music. Mm. But, I, you know, anytime that I've made music, it's like almost all that I want to listen to because it's like, that's why I yeah. made it, that's why I can listen to it. Um, oh my God, wait, I love that so much. <laughs> so so I, I always find it very joyful whenever people enjoy their mm. own, own music because there's a pressure, I feel like as musicians or as artists, that that's not something you should do. Like it's like quote yeah. unquote lame to like listen mm. to your own stuff in the car but to me like that's I don't know it's so much fun to do that it's uh, fun it's nice I always like when I was in LA everyone was actually honestly very well it was very hard honestly I had a little bit of a hard time but I was making cool stuff um but everyone was really welcoming and I lived in a, a building for short-term people like it was like a short-term lease building mm-hmm. so a lot of the people there were students and like every single night we would go on the roof and get drunk and I remember the first, like the first, like the second week that I was there, maybe I'd met a lot of people in my building already. And every single person that I met on the street, I would invite to, I, I, I said, I'm throwing a party on Saturday. And every time I met like an Uber driver, like this guy in an Italian restaurant who hit on me, like every single person I met, I invited them to my party, like on the rooftop. I was like, Saturday, 8 PM. Here's the address. Come to my party. Like, and I didn't know anyone. So it was just like a hundred random people that I met. And I had a friend visiting at that time. 
and she was getting tired and jet lags night at the party. And I was like, okay, I literally, I've not formally invited anyone. Like I've just told everybody who I live, like everybody in the building, there's going to be a party on the rooftop. Like I let, like if you're tired, we don't even need to do it. Like nobody's going to show up. I promise. And I, te- I like one person who I knew was coming. I texted her. I was like, it's, it's canceled. Mm-hmm. I later, like an hour late after the party is supposed to start, we go up onto the rooftop and everyone is there <laughs> and they're like hero nice of you to show up to your own party and I was like oh my god like I didn't think any of you were gonna show up because you don't know me and like who are you and also I don't know you and like ah god and I felt I didn't actually feel bad because I wasn't that late you know and then we had brought drinks and everything because yeah. you know just just in case but anyway all to say they started playing my music on the speaker and like my music is not like bump like it's not yet like the music you can really get down to um and I pretended to be embarrassed but I wasn't embarrassed I was very happy so that's all I have to <laughs> that's say that's really cool yeah that's really cool um so I, I do feel like whenever whenever you perform it, it does feel like you go out of your way to either involve your friends or to invite your friends to be part of that process um mm. A lot of bands that I know, that's not always the case. It's almost kind of like whenever they get up on stage, it's, they act like they don't really know anybody. They look down at their shoes, they play their music, they hit their guitar pedal, mm. and then they, they, you know, they leave. They don't know stage banter or whatever. Um, yeah. Is that because performing live for you, like, like, what does that mean to you? Um, like, mm. is, is, it, is it something that you feel like is meant to build community, or is it something that you intentionally want to share? That's why you're doing it live, or mm. does that make sense? Yeah, that's such an interesting question. I, I find that I, I made myself a rule early on that I stick to. Um, it was like when I was like 17 or something. And I said that, you know, I never, I want my friends and my music to be separate in a certain way, which is that like, I never want to be upset if my friend, I don't want my friends to listen to my music just because they're friends with me. Like I want them to listen to it or come to my shows if they really like it. And so what that means though, is that like some of my friends like know all the words to every single one of my songs. And I really like, I don't know. It's because they, of course it's because they're friends with me, but it's also like, sometimes I'll have acquaintances feel that like do that. Like I have, I have certain like acquaintances who I'm not really close with, except for that they come to all of my shows. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really interesting relationship because it's not because they like me as a person. It's because they like my music and that makes me so happy. So I, I try to make it like very obligation free for my friends. And I really am not offended if friends don't come to my shows. I would rather it be that than like, you know, coming because they, they wanted to. But I, I think that part of it is like, I do feel like, I feel like live performance is such like a, a difficult thing to do and like so much about building a relationship with the people who are like even it's a, if it's a fleeting relationship like a, a momentary or like hour-long intense like fierce little relationship with everybody who's in the room with you and so like it's really wonderful to have like collaborators who you know and are friends with and care about to like be on stage with you or like to talk to in the audience or to like at least just like know that they're that like you know to know that they're there so that feels really important to me I also, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm really excited to keep performing live this year. I want to build a little bit more of, like, a mysterious live show, like, something where, I don't know, I, I focus more on aesthetics and, like, and, and really, really brand it really beautifully. Um, I once, my ex-girlfriend once said to me that she couldn't come to my shows because it was so difficult to see everyone desiring me, which is, like, a very huge, kind compliment, but I do think that that's what I'm trying to lean into this year is, like, you, you go on stage and you want people to... Ah, yeah, you want people to like to like really, really be with you, and I think that like part of part of doing that is just just getting better at, at performing live. But I I, was, I don't know that was like it was like the meanest thing that everyone anyone she like didn't come to any of my shows after that, and like it was like the meanest thing anyone ever said to me. But it was also like I was like ooh I love that for me, kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of a little bit. Yeah, I, I can I can see the tension in that statement of like yeah 
that you know on one hand it is kind of cool but on the other hand it does suck so um i'm like i'm not you know i'm still i'm still focused on you babe i just like i'm performing for everybody you know i'm like i and i guess that's the thing is like i i think i think it is for community like i think it's for like i always talk about i don't know if this is too inappropriate to talk about on the show so feel free to cut it but like i talk about I, i don't know i think that a lot of people talk about like meaningless sex or like casual casual things and i think that like the point of any relationship or like any engagement with anybody even briefly is connection mm-hmm. and like that's how i feel about a live show is like it's not the same as a relationship but like right. it's a like the the point of it if it's going to be a good thing is the same as a one night stand which is not something meaningless it's like it's like a very 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 brief and very intense fleeting like encounter that you'll remember for a really long time because mm-hmm. it's special and because you're making a connection anyway that's right. all i have to say <laughs> gotcha okay yeah that, that makes sense um so you kind of teased a little bit of future plans and I do want to talk more about make me a man, but I I also want to kind of follow this thread because you've said, you said two separate things. One is that you've hinted that your upcoming music is less acoustic. And Mm -hmm. the second part of that is that you're, you might be tinkering with the live show to make it more kind of integrate more aesthetics into that. Um, Are those part of the same idea or those two separate ideas that are like in, in, in parallel. Yeah, they are kind of the same idea. Well, so I, I, I want to kind of roll, like, it's still a little bit acoustic. Like, I've not gotten rid of live instruments or anything. It's, yeah. it's just, yeah. like, leaning more into the sonic direction that I've wanted for a long time, which is, like, more electric guitars, more indie, like, more classic indie rock. Right. You um, don't want to make techno. So. I don't want to make techno. Okay. Although I've worked on a lot of my, like, I worked on a lot of my friends' electronic music this, um, like, various friends, and, and just, like, listened to a ton of electronic music this summer, and I feel like I learned a lot from that, but it's not the direction I'm going to go in, <laughs> but I think it's cool. Um, I've used, like, a lit, just, just, like, hints of synths for the first yeah. time, which, like, I didn't know that there are synths in, like, every kind of music. Sure. Um, so that's been awesome. It just adds so many interesting textures. I'm really excited about the stuff that's going to come out. I don't know exactly what order... Um, or like I I haven't unveiled a rollout plan yet, but I I have just like individual songs that I'm unbelievably proud of that I think I'm going to roll out. And I'm like, I'm entering my new era, CT Versus. Like this is the plan is it's, it's my new era and it's going to involve a lot of songs and it's going to involve a lot of like, I want to start playing around with more musicians. I tend to play solo or like with one, you know, guitarist or pianist, like to play along with me. And I'm interested in like, um, building a little team to play live shows with me dressing like I, I always dress up and like you know do my little thing but like creating an atmosphere that people can step into like a sonic world that's going to be really similar to the sonic world of my upcoming singles so that's that's the plan but it's it's you know it's more classic hero indie rock and there's still like like queer rage I don't actually I'm not I don't rage very often I was gonna say <laughs> queer rage but that's like not even where I can, like pining there's still pining there's just a little bit less pining okay. than usual um so like hero magnus and the spiders from mars era Right, like right, right, um, exactly. So, and so this instead of plan. instead of referring to the band, you seemed like almost kind of too shy to say band. And so you said team, of of my people. Team. Um, <laughs> well, are, are, it's because I don't have my band yet. Yeah. I just have musicians that I like and that I play with occasionally, and I'm gonna like I I am forming the band. So anyway, if yeah. you're listening on CT Versus and you want to play music with me, hit me up because I'm looking for band members. Is the thing. <laughs> Gotcha. And and hopefully the people that listen to this are not creeps or, or weird. This only cool, right. expertly uh, talented musicians. Yes, um, and we know that that's the truth. So thank you so much for listening, <laughs> cool and expertly talented musicians. Um, okay, so, um, and you said you don't have like a timeline yet for that. You're probably, it sounds like you might be waiting to get into the swing of things back in Connecticut before you make any hard decisions. 
I'm waiting a little bit, but I have a, I'm sitting on a lot of music, my lovely listeners. So things will be coming out soon. I'm hoping to release a song in early fall and then another in late fall. Um, but I am not sure of the, of the timelines yet, but you all can know that I, this is actually a real, a real privilege for me because I feel like I've always before, um, like written a ton of songs and like recorded them as soon as I could, like, you know, recorded some of them as soon as I could, like as soon as I could figure out the time and resources and friends and whatever, and then like put it out as soon as I was done. And and this, and even the EP was like that. Like I, I had, a, I wrote it last summer. Like I wrote everything last summer and then, or like almost everything. Um, there are also a bunch of extra songs from the EP that I didn't end up recording, but like I'll put on Bandcamp at some point, okay, I'm sure. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> Secret little songs about like monks from like the 18th century and you know, they're good ones. Um, and, and then I recorded it as soon as I, like, you know, I recorded it all in my bedroom in Connecticut, um, last summer as well. And then, you know, some in my bedroom in Nashville, cause I was in Nashville for a second. And then I was like working across the coast with Ari and we were making it together. And then I put it out as soon as I was done. And so this is huge because I've been in Los Angeles and I've made so many songs that like I'm proud of and they're almost done. And I don't have to put them out until I'm really ready until I've like created my whole world for, for how to put them out, but it'll be soon my dear friends, so don't worry. Gotcha. But you'll leak that to me for them. Okay. All right. I'll leak uh, it to you. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so, uh, Not on, kidding. The sub- <laughs> on the subject of uh, Make Me a Man, um, how much... Uh, so, you, you know, we've talked about Iphis, and Iphis is a very classical figure. Does that make mm. you more of a biographical writer, or do you consider yourself an mm. autobiographical writer? Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, I think that, like... <laughs> that's such a good question, C2 versus. I, I think that I still focus um, primarily, like I interpret and filter experiences and like I, I interpret and filter stuff like literature and art and poetry and like historical figures through my own experiences. So I, I'm definitely not like trying to rewrite Ifis's own story. Yeah, I'm writing it through my own eyes. But I do think that there's a really big pressure um to assume that, like, every song is from my perspective. And I don't know, I've heard people say that that's, like, particularly true for women songwriters, that, like, everything is supposed to be from your perspective. And so I find it super liberating to write from other people's perspective. And I also find that even when I'm writing about my own life, like, even when I have a story from my own life, I tend to write from the other person's perspective. And that's been, that's really interesting. It's a really interesting way to process things. Um, like, I, I don't know, I, I, like, I'll apologize to someone, but then I'll write a song receiving the apology, you know, or, like, yeah. someone will, like, hurt me, and then I'll, like, write a song, like, about them feeling, about, like, feeling guilty for, like, doing the hurting, and I find, I don't know, it's just, like, an awesome way to, like, it, it avoids, I think, the common problems, or at least, I, I for me, like, it, it's able to sidestep the common problems about writing about things that are, like, freshly harmful, or, like, freshly hurtful, because, like, when you're writing about something that's, like, bringing you a lot of pain, or, like, or, or feels really fresh. It's, it's hard to do that in a way that is creatively interesting because like what you're doing is basically processing <laughs> and like processing is not necessarily always interesting. But when I write from the other perspectives, it just gives me more, I don't know, more room to like be free creatively, I think. So yeah, So I tend to be like somewhat autobiographical, but I also love to write from other people's perspectives. Gotcha, okay. Because the way that you were describing it, because on, on one hand, I, I totally know what you mean about like it being processing. Um, mm. there was a band that I used to see live or actually there was a band that I loved and I'm not going to say who they were cause they're not from Connecticut. Uh, but, uh, I saw them live and this band is very much known for like their like emotional lyrics. And mm. I could tell like the dude on stage was like, just agonizing over like singing this stuff again. And it felt like 
for me it was like <sighs> oh like i just paid money to like m- make this guy miserable you know like yeah and i felt very very bad about that and it put me off live shows for a while um that's so interesting so but on the other hand it does sound a little bit like so so what you're doing isn't processing like that but it also does sound like what you're doing might have a therapeutic bent to it or at the very least like maybe even generates empathy between you and whoever you're writing about yeah if it's from their point if it's from their point of view oh that's so interesting yeah i mean i feel like it's been it's been the type of thing and i and also to be clear like i still write snarky songs from my point of view but but i but i think that like songwriting I've always felt like it was about capturing something that I'm like, like we talked about, I think my experiences are very interesting. I like to capture them and like put them in a little box so that other people can like feel a particular feeling. And that's, that's what I just hope that my music does is like you, you run into it and it's like, it's like being, you know, in the rain or something, you, you actually feel physically different than you did before. You can access an emotion that maybe you had a long time ago, or maybe it's a new one entirely, but either way, it's like, it's my flavor. Like it's, it's my experience and my, my little flavor. And then I. a circle there's no beginning or middle i can't find an edge or a seam if i can touch you i'll know that i'm dreaming and i think that like songwriting does that for me in a different way i i think that it's selfish honestly um if you're making music well (laughs) that sounded a little bit unnecessarily harsh i think that making music like just to process things like for catharsis is cool and like people should do that more people should do that actually everyone should do that But. but if you're making music like to put out into the world for other people at least for me i think it would be selfish if i were doing if i were only putting out music that was cathartic my music tends to be cathartic as like a secondary thing um but what this process does is like actually i don't know like it's like this like circular thing where like i feel like this process is actually also super super interesting and i just i try to i try to like make music that reflects that like reflects my outlook on the world but it also feels like writing music obviously impacts how I experience the world and like so knowing that I'm gonna write from someone else's perspective or knowing that like I'm trying to access an emotion that someone I don't like has felt like is really useful for me and like well basically I'm just oh my god I want to put it out so badly but I'm like writing this song I'm like it's like it's like a really extended like metaphor about vehicular manslaughter and I'm like really I think it'll be really fun it's really quirky but it's like it's like it's it's interesting it's my own way of like thinking about I've never committed vehicular manslaughter, by the way. Just for the record, yeah. Just in case, just for the record. But I don't know. It's just fun to do things like that. And I learn a lot. And I get sad. And then I get happy that I wrote something cool. So what comes first for you? The the, the nugget of the song where you have decided mm. that like you want to tell a story or convey a feeling? Or you sitting down with your weapon of choice, let's say an acoustic guitar, and like <laughs> noodling around. Coincidentally, an acoustic guitar. <laughs> um <laughs> That's such a good, yeah, that's a good question. I, um, I I tend to have to sit down. Like I'll have, I'll, usually what'll happen is like, I'll have phrases or like ideas kind of that like come into my head or that I seek out. Um, but then like, I don't actually know what the song is going to be about until I sit down and I start playing and then I'm like, oh my God. And usually I'll have like the idea for the song concept 
when I'm sitting down. But the EP was really interesting because a lot of that was like, I'd read a lot of different works in this in this class that I took. Like it was called Sexual Minorities from Plato to the Enlightenment. Hi, Igor, my professor. I love you so much. Thank you for listening. He's wonderful. And it was a wonderful class. And I was reading so much stuff that then I was like, okay, all of this is so stimulating. There's so much here artistically and so many things that could be made out of it. And so like I would sit down, I sat down with the IFAS poem and I like took phrases from it and I was, and I was singing and playing and it was just, it felt so right. And that honestly, the process of writing the EP was like one of the easiest things I've ever, like some of it was difficult, but like a lot of it was really easy because I had such rich work to work from. And even if I wasn't copying a single phrase, like it's just awesome to be inspired by such interesting rich stories um but yeah usually usually I have to sit down before I before I start writing what is the the what do you feel like is the unifying theme of make me a man oh I think the unifying mm, also a good question well the reason why I wrote the EP was because I think that like we are so and I've talked about this a little bit before but I think we are so stuck in our like modern conceptions of identity. Like I think a lot of people, a lot of people you could tell them like, okay, you're stuck in a capitalist mindset. And then like, that's something that you can, you like, it's it's also very, very hard to overcome. And most people don't. But I think that like, this is kind of along the veins of what I'm talking about is like, we live in a very capitalist, very exploitative and exploited like society. And like, that's something that's hard to recognize unless you know that there are alternatives to that. Right. And I think that like, I find something really similar about the way we interact with queerness and identity and sexuality, which is like, we're really stuck in this modern way of understanding things. But the problem is, is we think that it's like the most evolved we've ever been. Like, I don't know. I don't know why, like, and I felt this way for a while as well, but it's like, how could we coincidentally have like somehow arrived on like the perfect terminology and the perfect way of like, (laughs) like, you know, the perfect way of interacting with sexuality and, and like with each other and with relationships. Um, it's like, Oh, I just happened to be born at like the perfect time. And I think that like, I don't, I'm not interested in romanticizing history. I think we actually are at a really interesting progressive, like point in history. Um, and I don't believe in like going back to the past, but what I felt really was inspiring was like looking at all these other, ways that people have existed in the world before us um, or at different times or in different places, it just like helps me to break out of like any sort of like modern brainwashing Mm -hmm. um, that I have just by virtue of like existing in one place at one time. I I love history. I've always loved history. And so I, I wanted to explore that in a way that was like, in a way that was also not the same as translating it and then like share it and then play it at shows and like stare at, you know, like people I think are hot. It's really, it's really pretty simple. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's not, yeah, but the, I mean, like, I I like what you're doing because you're trying to downplay kind of like how heady what you're doing can be, right? Mm, um, because yeah. like on huh. one hand, sure, like uh, make me a man can you can look at it as like a you're trying to reckon with history and reckon with culture mm. in this in in a in a new frame like or a new yeah. lens. Um, but also the songs are just really good and fun and like they sound good and they're pleasing. So it's not like an academic thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't want to let you Ugh. try to get away with like, this is like a, I'm not going to say like complex because complex has like a negative connotation, but it is like mm-hmm. a, it is a, a record that like, if you want to reckon with, you can, or if you just want to kind of yeah. like hang out and just kind of sing along with the melodies, you can do that too. You know what I mean? This, oh my God, CT versus today tell you, like, I feel like I must have like paid you to say that because that's, that's what I've been telling people <laughs> for like, I, I really want to be able to do that because I think the thing is, is like, 
that was exactly what I wanted from this record is like you could hear a song like Ifis and like you'll hear little things that are a little bit funny like what you know what is she talking about when she says like like me and my mother but also like you don't have to <laughs> like you don't have to look it up like you and and the song I hope that the song like rings really really beautifully even if it you know even if you don't know the history or don't know what I'm talking about or don't care and and that's I don't know I think that this is very much like I've never made a concept project before this was like my most intense like concept EP um and I don't think I'm necessarily going to do things like that again I'm interested I'm interested in like but yeah, I'm interested in making music that just works on multiple layers and levels and things. And, and I'm really, 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 really unbelievably happy that it like works for you and you think would work for other people, even if you don't, you know, even if you don't want to do all of the little explorations that I, I was doing. <laughs> um, the, the phrase make me a man, like, how does mm. that, like, why did you choose that over any other mm. thing? Yeah, I, well, part of the reason I chose it was because, as, I've, as we've talked about, like, Ifis is one of my favorite songs in the EP, mm-hmm. and that's the first line of Ifis. But I also, I realized that it works for every song in, in its own way. Oh, Do you want me to go through all of that? Absolutely, cause, because I have a notion for some of these, but but maybe not for all, so I'd love to hear your perspective. Okay, I want to hear yours, too, because, yeah, you know, I'm very vain, and I want to hear people talk <laughs> about my songs. But, um, so, Plato's song is from the perspective of, like, Alcibiades like you know if you really think about it like from the perspective of Alcibiades who's this character in Plato's Symposium who like had a big fat crush on Socrates Mm -hmm. and so that was like pretty simple because it's like I am right exactly (laughs) because I am like um putting myself in the shoes of a man I'm writing from the perspective of a man so it's like make me here am I just a man are you ashamed of what they'll say or is it me don't leave me so fucking impotent because I don't know what you really meant and I belong underneath your winter coat I've been up for humiliation Given everything you've taken Broken all the rules for you And then, um... Museum person is interesting because, well, this is like a little cheat. Like, this is like a little cheesy. Like, this is not really the part of the song. And, like, I think that it just kind of happens to work a little bit because it's like, it's like a very gay pining song. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I've never, I don't know, I'm, I'm not trans. I've never, like, really experienced, like, gender envy except for that, like, I'm gay. And so sometimes I like straight women, right? And so it's like, well, if, you know, if I were a man, then, like, actually she would love me. But that's, like, so not true because that's just not how things work anyway. Right. Um, so that one's, like, a little bit, a little bit there. And then but, Body uh, but, Song. Sorry, but before, before you move on, though. Yes. Like, for that song. Please. The, so I'm, like, straight cis, uh, but, like, the the phrase, um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on it now, but it's, like, I, I wish that I had the body to do that. Um, mm, yeah. That is, like, such a... I don't know, it, it, like, sums up a lot of how I feel like people feel in a very delicate and empathetic way that is mm. very personal. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know, I guess I just wanted to stop you to tell you that, like, that that, that particular line, like, has stuck with me, and, um, yeah, I don't know, Just it's just, I really like it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy that it resonates with you, because, I, I don't know, like, this EP was, like, totally a love letter to my queer community, but also, like, it's it's for everyone, and I really mean that from the bottom of my heart, like, not in some sort of dumb, like, universalizing way. Like, I don't know. I want everyone to, like, to re- like for my lyrics to resonate with everyone, especially, like, something like that, I think is, is, like, it was pretty significant to me personally as well, and so, like, I'm just, I'm really happy that it, that it worked for you. I'm so glad to hear that. 
Yeah. So it's like part of the yeah. So anyway, th- there's kind of like a little bit of an explanation for for every song, um, and why the title like you know like on the low like maps yeah. onto all of them. But mostly it just it was like just a resonant phrase and. Um, but I'm happy I, that I, it kind I of, interrupted yeah. you before you told no. me about like the interlude track and then the other two. Yeah. So, so I got well, I, I <laughs> slight regrets for calling it an interlude because I think that makes people think it's the worst track on the AP, but I actually really like it. Like I love that song and I wrote it. I wrote that song actually. It was the earlier one. I wrote it when I was um, a freshman in college and, um, I don't know. I, I think this EP is so much about bodies and like the ways in which we experience our lives through our bodies. Um, and, I don't know. I think it's, it's become like a progress, like I think pretty, I get, I get why, but it's become like kind of a progressive line that like, you know, you're more than just your body. Like you, you know, your, your mind is more important than your body and all of those things. But also like, I don't know what it's like to exist without a body. And even if I were just a brain, like that's still an organ, you know, like I don't. And, and I think that like, I wrote this once, but like at various times in my life, it's become like more or less comforting to imagine that I'm actually nothing except for like the pores on my skin and like, you know, the way I experience like the grass, like on my feet, um, and stuff like that. So anyway, that song is like, that song is about bodies and it's about like, you know, being with somebody who like, like is really spending a lot of energy, like tearing apart their body and like how difficult that (laughs) that is. And I, I guess it just like felt very analogous with like all of the other, all of the other, I don't know why that felt so relevant to me, but it feels relevant because I think the EP is about like what your body does in interaction with other people. Right. So yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. (laughs) um how was the recording process or writing process for this different than like talionic or again and again Mm, so i i think that what was really wonderful for me about this was how much i intended to make it a project from the beginning um and so like with talionic i well i love that song everyone go listen to it (laughs) i love that song so i was singing it yesterday oh my god but um i wrote the song and i knew i wanted to be just acoustic and like vocal and I went in with my friend Sam Lopate and we just recorded it um so there wasn't a lot of extra work to do and with again and again there was a lot of extra work to do but it was still like a, you know I went in to record the one song mm-hmm. I guess actually I, I put out two songs at the same time but like right. it well, felt very much like yeah one's a demo why do I do that like demo interlude they're just songs <laughs> I should you know and this is but it's okay um but what was cool about this one was that I, I had a lot of creative control. Well, I mean, I had creative control on all of them, but like I was recording everything myself for the first time. Like I learned how to record and I would put up like pillows in my room and like lots and lots and lots of blankets so that I would like muffle everything so that people could hear it correctly. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I learned how to record things. Um, this was also hugely thanks to Ari explaining a lot of things to me. And I would call them and be like, Hey, <laughs> can we talk about what mic I should get with money that Yale gave me? Um, <laughs> and so that was awesome. Like I got to record everything myself. And so I also got to, especially on body song, a lot of the like little extra things that are happening, like little guitar parts and, and bass parts and whatever are, are mine. Like I made those in my room. Um, and that felt really cool and new to me because I'd never, I had not been that, I'd not done recording before. Yeah. So that was awesome. And then it was awesome to like have someone that I trusted so much to like send songs back and forth like a million times until it was like hitting right. Um, and you know, and and again, like I said on the CP, like Ari also added things, which was cool. So I could be like, Hey, I think this is missing something. And then, or sometimes Ari would say this is missing something. It would all, it would all come together. So that was really, it was a really new process and I enjoyed it a lot. Like working on something that was intended to be a cohesive project. So, uh, where are these 18th century monks that didn't make it to make me a man? (laughs) Well, my, (laughs) one of my, one of my best friends at school was very upset that the song Theodore did not make it onto the EP, but, um, it was this whole 
this whole story that I felt so inspired by. There were these like monks. I can't even remember like what the history is now, but um, it's like they would go in and like confess homosexual acts to each other, um, and they had to like stop exp- like. It was like an act of intimacy. Is like right. you go, like you went to confessional because you're saying something wrong, and then you like. I, I kind of envision it as like, okay, what if there's like the monk on the other side of the confessional who's like, oh my god, like did you kiss him on his birthday? Yeah. Like, can you like actually explain like all the sins that you did to me because I'm feeling a little bit hurt right now. Like I'm feeling right. a little attacked. I'm telling you, that's what that song is. And I, I have a couple demos. I have a demo of it that I'm probably gonna put up on Bandcamp at some cool. point. Um, it was just like not as thoroughly ready for the EP for prime. It was not ready for prime time, but gotcha. it's fun if 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 you guys want it. Hit me up and I'll and I'll send it to you. <laughs> um, so to change gears just a little bit, um, yeah. can you tell me about broadcasting from the moon? <gasps> yes, I love the moon. Um, and so the moon is a really really wonderful space that um, a lot of cool people who are in window seat and Sargasso mostly started a few years back. Um, and then you know it was hard because it like kind of was defunct for a year or so, and then we were kind of having a hard time recording. Um, and so. I've been hugely grateful to all of the support that like WIBC and my friends in WIC have given me to like help reboot the moon. And so like we started doing that sophomore year and then obviously everything and like we had a new station and that was really exciting and everything kind of went to shit as we discussed, as everybody knows. Um, And, but then we got this opportunity, like, I don't know, I was like, we had a little bit of extra money because we didn't have events. Um, Like there was, there was no 216 events. And so I was like, hey, can I have that money so that we can start paying artists? Because that was very important to me. And I think that that's something I want to continue for the moon. I know that it's not necessarily customary. Like, I don't really know if other college radio stations do that. But I think it should be. And I also think it is, some like, in some places um, that, like, we can pay artists at least a little bit for coming on our show. And so, like, that, especially during COVID, that was really important to me. So I had, like, like a, do- a dozen, maybe 15 amazing bands and artists play throughout the year every other week um it was such a such a highlight of my coat like of my pandemic um and i i don't know we we got we brought in bigger artists we brought in squirrel flower who i i I absolutely love that was like such a blast a beautiful beautiful intimate tiny show um and like a lot of people started listening to like you know depending on the show like a lot more people could listen to it because it was online and sometimes because it was like over zoom and stuff like that and we worked out like the sound kinks on zoom and and stuff so it was just like a total blast learning how to make this happen and it being virtual i think gave me the courage like make it bigger than it could have been or like than than i could have made it in person i'm really excited to take that in person in the fall um and start you know keep like i think bringing on much more local talent than before and like also people you know other bands that i like from kind of around the east coast um but no, I love the moon and everyone should listen to it and follow WYBC Yale on Instagram so you can stay updated. So so you are planning to go back to the moon whenever you get back to Connecticut? Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to like keep doing it as long as they'll let me like, and I think that since I'm, I kind of, you know, I should have been a senior this year. Traditionally seniors drop out and stop doing like, you know, stop involving themselves usually in radio, but I'm not, I faked it. I'm a junior. I took a gap year. So I get to, I get to keep doing it for another year, um, which I'm really excited about. And I'm excited to pass the torch at some point, but this is my whole plan with the moon is I, I really like. I want to make it so that there are enough people who are involved in it that, like, it is really sustainable after I leave. Like, that was the problem with the moon before. It was, like, it relied on one person, and, like, the one person who was in charge of it, like, went to Spain on study abroad, as she should, and then it, like, shut down. And I I think that's... I want the... I want it to be, like, a sustainable music community that people, like, really want to play on (laughs) and that people really want to listen to um, and something that'll last, like, way, 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 way after I go. Um, So that's my... That's, like... If, if, if I do that at Yale, I'll actually, I'll be happy with what I did at Yale, honestly. <laughs> P- 
people feel so intimidated, which I don't think that they should, but I, I don't know. I, I think it's totally my responsibility to like make it something that is accessible for everyone. And that was also my problem kind of with the, with the moon before was like, it's really, it's really easy to book the same five bands a million times because they're right. your friends and you know right. them. And I think that that's also kind of why a lot of like the problems with diversity um, in like music scenes, especially small ones happen is like, it's not on purpose that they're excluding like every single person of color from bands. It's, or queer people. Like it's, it's because like, you know, your friends who are like white guys in the same band. And actually there are so many white guys who are making awesome music and awesome bands. So no shade to anybody at all, but like, (laughs) but I think that it just is very easy to like only promote your friends. And so like, that was what I was really interested in doing is like, you have to actively seek out a broader and more diverse audience. And like, you also have to actively seek out broader and more diverse creatives and artists. It's not that they're not there. It's just that it's like, it does, it does actually take more work. And like, I think that that's work that is extremely worth it. Like creatively worth it. Not, not just like for a justice thing, but also just so unbelievably creatively rewarding. So. Yeah. And it's, it's also one of those things where like, if, if no one ever sees that there are women on these bills, then they're not going to think that they are allowed or, or permitted right. or welcome mm-hmm. in those spaces. And, um, yeah, exactly. yeah, and so that's what oh, I actually, I'm, I'll tell you something off mic about that. Um, but Please. yeah, um, <laughs> go for it. So I'm going to enter into the final phase of this and I have okay. a quiz for you and you can tell me if it's, <gasps> if you can tell me if it's too obnoxious or not, because, uh, I, I picked one that I felt would play off your name. And okay, I'm excited. <laughs> this quiz is, uh, which Byronic hero are you? So I'm going to... Uh, which, which, which what type of hero? Byronic, so... Um, Byronic, okay. Yeah, so like, you know, Brontes and Austins and stuff like that. Yes, okay. So are you ready for this? Uh, it's just seven questions. Yes, I'm ready. Let's do All it. Right. So, uh, what do you fear most? Failure, rejection, being judged, being misunderstood, change, or honestly, spiders? Ooh, um, I think that failure by far, <laughs> by far, by by a large margin. Why is that? Well, because I, I feel I feel flattered when I'm judged. Like when people care about me enough to judge me, I'm like that makes me feel hot. Um, <laughs> and rejection, I I I do think that I've come to terms with the like that was a little bit of a tougher one, but I've come to terms with that. Like anyone who's rejecting me, is someone like not someone who's not worthy in their own right, but like not right for me, you know? Right. It's like, it's not my path, you know? It's not my, it's not my thing. Um, spiders don't scare me, don't like it. I can't remember what the other ones are, but none of them strike quite as hard as that fear of failure. Interesting, okay. Uh, question number two, do you have a troubled past? Yes or not really? Not really. Okay. No, not really. Uh, I've got like, like, I've got trouble in my past, but like, <laughs> I think troubled past feels different. <laughs> sure, I mean like the, your troubled past is that you're not from Connecticut. Um, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, number question number three. Uh, how would you feel about being invited to a party right this second? Would you feel excited, annoyed, anxious, or surprised? Excited. Okay. I love parties. Yeah, I'm I was invited to parties. Yeah, based on what we talked about in Los Angeles, it sounds like, like <laughs> you're. It's just kind of a fun thing to to do. If you're thinking about inviting me to a party and you're wondering if you should, you should. Oh, if you're okay. listening, thanks. <laughs> How dramatic are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Are you between 1 and 3, between 4 and 7, between 8 and 10, or I'd say a subtle 12? I think I'd say 8 and 10, like eight between 8 and 10. I, I don't know if my friends would beg to differ and say 12, but I think 8 to 10. Really? Are you a dramatic person? I, I think a little bit. I don't know. I guess I maybe I feel more dramatic to myself because, like, 
I literally spend 100% of my time like being in my room like writing songs about my emotions like and then I like go out and still have energy to like talk about my emotions and like ask other people I don't know that feels like inherently dramatic to me um I also I like I like say stuff like I love experiencing the full spectrum of human emotion like I used to say that all the time and like that's dramatic I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, I get, I don't know. I I'm, I might you don't have to think disagree. So? Yeah, I might have to because, mm. like, to me, I think that is something that a lot of people believe, but just don't say it. And to me, like, that's just Aww. being explicit, and that's not being dramatic. That's yeah. In my opinion. I also, I don't know. I think that I'm like, I, I do a good job at being level-headed sometimes. So that's why I'd sit in an eight to ten okay. because <laughs> I'm not. It's not over dramatic. It's just like the right amount of dramatic. Gotcha. Question number five, uh, what do you look for in a romantic interest? Do you look for common interest, shared values, mm-hmm. a sense of humor, kindness, loyalty, or stability? Shit. Well, I know it's not stability. Okay. And, and I, I don't think it's a sense of humor really either. Or I, I, I think that probably shared values is the most important one to me. I think you can have a lot of differences and like a lot of different interests. I tend to, I tend to go for people who are really analytically minded mm-hmm. Um like and more than me um but yeah I think I think shared values feels very important to me and that I think means that you'll end up treating each other well because it's like you have the same values about what is important and and what you, yeah gotcha do you, so do you does that mean that you feel like you're a very like analytically analytically minded person no no it's the opposite like I think gotcha. I'm not I think I'm I'm a little bit more I'm not incredibly chaotic I also don't stake a lot of like I, I don't know I don't think it's fun or cute to like say that I'm chaotic you know um but I think that like I'm a little bit more artistic and my workflow is, is, um, is like a little bit more chaotic. Yeah. Then, yeah. and, and I also think that like the way that I approach the world is very much on, on feeling and like an instinct and like, um, I think a lot, but yeah, I don't think I'm very analytical. Um, and I tend to go for people who are very analytical and a little bit more disciplined than I am. And like a little bit more, like usually I go for people who study physics or something. Um, <laughs> Which I think is sweet. It's like opposite the track. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm analytically minded. It's the opposite. Gotcha. Uh, pick a word. That is all it says. Pick a word. Uh, elegant, verdant, okay. felicity, oblivion, demure, or solitude. I'm I'm like 50-50 torn between elegant and oblivion. So I'll just, you know. Mm. Let's go with elegant. Okay. All right. And then the final question. Uh, what do you do when you're angry? Do you cry, mm. bottle it up? go for a walk to calm down or shout or throw things. I cry. Okay. Sad. RIP. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, this, this is not bad. Uh, do you want to know who you are? Which, who am which I? You, know who you are, you are Edmund uh, Dantes from the County Monte Cristo uh, by, Oh my goodness. Yeah, Can you describe Simone. what this person is like? Where once you were kind, honest, dutiful, generous, intelligent, if a bit <laughs> naive, now you are a bitter and driven by one thought and only one thought revenge what <laughs> you channel that intellect and resourcefulness into getting back at those who betrayed you and you collect a number of aliases on your quest for vengeance and in the end however you decide to put away the mask and find yourself at peace Ooh, well i like the idea of putting away the mask and finding myself at peace but i'm not motivated by revenge i don't know why they could possibly say that when i didn't even say that i have a troubled past i, I said know. not really i know well, well so you know but the thing about uh edmund is that he didn't really have a troubled past either he was falsely incarcerated mm-hmm. and so when i'm reading oh, when shit. i'm reading this result which is from spark notes uh okay i gotta say like i i don't know i kind of get the revenge like this dude was like imprisoned for life because yeah. some dude was trying to like steal his love interest um terrible 
it's totally justified, but yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Well, I don't have anything nearly as, as upsetting as that to seek revenge on, but I guess, yeah, you know, I guess it's like a low key way of like seeking revenge that hurts no one and isn't revenge. I, I <laughs> writing yeah. songs about things that happen, but I, I guess I get that. I get this vibe too, like the idea of like channeling intellectual energy into something other than like academia or like yeah. other than intellect. Um, yeah. I feel like I do a fair amount of that as we've been talking about. So gotcha. Maybe. When I took this, I got Heathcliff, uh, and I don't really. Oh like, my god! I don't really like Wuthering Heights, so I was just like, man, I want to, I want to do this again and get somebody else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my question is, do you like the song Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush? Of course, yeah. Well, I mean, she's. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, Sorry, just... I literally should have asked. I, I, I do care actually what you think about this. What, what do you think no, about this song? No, I was just gonna say. Uh, actually, I lied. I have never heard it because she's not from Connecticut. Um, <gasps> But hypothetically, Fair. hypothetically, Obviously. if I had ever listened to Kate Bush, uh, I would hypothetically love Kate Bush. Yes, totally. Okay, this makes total <laughs> sense to me. I've also, you know, I'm lying. You are the only one who doesn't isn't allowed to hear any bands other than Connecticut bands. I can listen to, I can get the wide variety. <laughs> All right, Hero. Thank you so much for for talking with us today. Thank you for talking with me, C Two Verses. See you soon. Thank you so much to Hero for taking time out of her day or out of her morning, really, to, to talk with me. Uh, you can find her EP, Make Me a Man, on Bandcamp and Spotify and all the other usual places. And you can find her on social media, too. Probably mostly active on Instagram at hero.magnus. You can find those links in the episode's show notes uh, for whatever, you know, uh, your podcast app is that you're listening to this on. And if you need anything from me, I'm going to be watching the waves crash against the jagged rocks, ruminating on my own tortured emotions, just like Heathcliff from Wuthering Heights. You can find more Connecticut music at ctverses.com, including a giant event calendar full of upcoming gigs, only the good ones, the ones that I would go to. Um, So keep your eye on that. As Hero teased, new shows will be announced coming very soon this fall. We're going to play this episode out with another one of her tracks. This one is Again and Again from 2019, another favorite of ours. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And if it ever came down to it I'm more comfortable with you than in my head Carve open my body on your bed If it's what you have to do then see it through and on the way home I'll hear you echoing again and again and again and again and again over and over and over and over again in my head
came down to it I'm still more comfortable with you than in my head Open up my body on your bed If it's what you have to do Is it what you have to do If it's what you have to do, then see it through And on the way home I'll hear you Echoing again and again and again and again and again Over and over and over and over again in my head In my head